Uh, Chad Tragesser is going to preach uh, out of Psalm 22 for us this morning, so let's uh, clap him up as a pastoral resident here at the well. Grateful for you sharing with us, man. Good morning. Uh, like Matt said, we're going to be in Psalm 22, uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible uh, and you're here with us in person, we have Bibles on the pews that you can go ahead and use. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, take that home with you as a gift from us. Uh, so we're going to be Psalm 22. It's a bit of a longer psalm, um, and I ask that as I read through it, uh, one, you would pay attention to some of the language that David uses here, uh, and then two, notice kind of the, the flow and the rhythm of the psalm too. <clears throat> so Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusted the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the, afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From, from you comes my praise in the great congregation, my vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So we're continuing on in our prayer series today, uh, and today we're looking at a specific type of prayer called lament. We're going to unpack what that means uh, and how to lament. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I just want to acknowledge that uh, 
lament is tied with pain. Uh, it's tied with hurt. Uh, and that as we go through this text, and even as we've read it, uh, there's some of you where this is your reality, that what David is praying about, you can relate because you currently are in a season of lament. Or maybe you are not in that season, but you've just come out of it, and the wound is still a little fresh. Um, I just want to acknowledge that, that some of us might be feeling hurt uh, and in pain, and that is okay. Um, and my hope is that today that God would comfort you. Um, so before we get into the actual uh, sermon, um, we just want to start off this time in prayer as we have the past couple of weeks. Um, so if you are able, um, please get on your knees. If you're not, if uh, that's okay too, you can sit there with your hands open. But we're going to pray, uh, and I'm going to guide us through uh, an Acts model of prayer. Um, yeah. So let's start in adoration. Praise our God uh, for who he is. Praise him for his characteristics. Praise him for his attributes. Let's spend some time just adoring our God. Uh, let's move to confession. Uh, come before our God uh, in honesty and humility. Uh, confess the, the things that you did that you know you shouldn't have done. The things you didn't do that you know that he was calling you into. Uh, the ways that you've lived your life uh, in a way that is contrary uh, to him. Let's spend some time confessing uh, to our God who hears us and is merciful and gracious to receive us. Let's move to Thanksgiving. Let's thank our God for the ways that he has blessed us. Thank him for the ways that he's provided for you, for the people that he's put in your life, for the way that he has saved you and redeemed you and justified you. Let's spend some time thanking our God. Let's finish in supplication. Uh, let's ask our Father uh, for the things that are on our hearts. Ask him to provide. Ask him to move in the way that you want him to move. Uh, particularly, ask him for comfort in this, uh, in this moment right now. Pray that he would comfort you as we look through lament. Uh, let's come before our loving Father who gives good gifts in supplication. God, thank you for this time that we get to gather together to, uh, to sing songs of praise to you, uh, to read your word, uh, and to be uh, together as a body.
Uh, Lord, I pray for comfort over this time uh, for this body. Uh, Lord, may you bring peace. Uh, yeah, we pray that you would uh, move, that you would um, make clear the things that you want us to know and how you want us to respond. Lord, thank you that you hear our laments. We love you. Amen. So you are probably one of two types of people. Uh, on one side, you might be the person who is smiling all the time, uh, externally looking very happy, uh, but internally you're struggling, you're frowning, you're hurting, you're sad, but you don't let that come out. That when people see you and they ask how you're doing, even, even if they know that things aren't going well for you, you're just like, oh yeah, things are great, God is good, I'm doing okay. This psalm and laments in general tells you that you don't have to smile all the time and that there is freedom to express when you're hurting. But on the other side, you have the type of person who is sad all the time uh, and, and is sad with no hope. The type of person that when you talk to them, uh, you just feel heavy after that. Uh, the person who comes to your 3D and complains a lot. Uh, but does nothing to kind of address uh, their complaints. This psalm and laments tell you uh, that you are not stuck in sadness and that there is hope in your pain and there's hope in your suffering. So where do you think you fall uh, kind of on this spectrum? And there's probably a bit of gray in there, but where do you think you fall? Uh, personally, I would be uh, the one who is smiling all the time, even when things aren't going well on the inside. Uh, part of that, I think, is my own growth in emotional maturity to be able to identify uh, when I have negative emotions and feelings. I've come a long way in that, but I know there's a lot of growth just to be able to recognize when I'm not doing well. Uh, but also with that, I think I am uh, generally an optimistic person, and it's hard for me to not try to put a positive spin on things. Uh, my wife, Maddie, I think at times would say she likes that about me, and then other times it's super annoying when she just wants to be frustrated. Um, so that's me, that's me. Uh, what we see though in laments and what laments offer us uh, is that when things are hard, there is hope. Um, and when things are hard, it's okay to admit that. So laments are a type of prayer that we see throughout the Bible. A, a great deal of the Psalms are lament Psalms. Uh, there's a book called Lamentations, which is a book of laments. Uh, many of the prophets in the Bible uh, have written laments as well. Uh, so laments are a key aspect of the Christian life, what it means to pray to God, to be in relationship to God, to live as a believer. Uh, but I think oftentimes it is hard to lament, to lament well. Uh, I think some of us haven't been taught how to do that or walked through that. Uh, so my hope today uh, is just to unpack uh, from this psalm what is a lament and how do we do that. So first thing, Laments are honest prayers of disorientation toward a loving Savior with a comforting embrace. So they are honest prayers of disorientation towards a loving Savior with a comforting embrace. So what does that look like? Uh, first, laments are honest prayers of disorientation. They are an admission that things are not right. They are uh, an expression that things are not right, that you are hurting. And they give you the freedom to admit that, the freedom to express openly and honestly about that. 
Uh, David does not hide from that at all. He is very vivid in the words that he uses to express the hurt that he's feeling, the pressure that he's feeling from other people, uh, and, and the disorientation that he's feeling. Uh, oftentimes, though, and, and I know I relate to this, we feel like we cannot express the hurts, the confusion, uh, or the sorrow that we have. Uh, sometimes we just don't have the language for it. Um, maybe you grew up in a, a, a tradition or a background where you were told it was not okay to question God. It was not okay to ask God why, why he was doing this or why he didn't do this. Uh, or maybe oftentimes we, uh, we kind of look at our earthly parents and their relationship with us and who they are, and then we ascribe who they are with our Heavenly Father, so we kind of see the lens of who our Heavenly Father is through our earthly parents. So maybe you come from a, a family background where you couldn't express yourself, where it wasn't okay to not be okay, and we assume that our Heavenly Father is just like our earthly parents in that way. Whatever it might be, uh, lament shows us that there's freedom to cry out. There's freedom to be in pain. There's freedom to express that openly. So David doesn't hold back in that. So let's look at the text and see uh, some of the ways that he expresses the, these honest prayers of disorientation. Uh, verse 1 and 2, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me in this situation? Why have you removed yourself uh, from this? Where is your presence? Why can I not feel you in this moment? Uh, he goes on in verse 6 and 7, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make my mouths at me. They wag their heads. I'm a worm. That's, that's intense. But I'm a worm, not a man. I'm scorned. I'm despised. People hate me. They're coming at me. I'm hurting. Uh, verses 15, or 14 and 15. But I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. I am poured out like water. I, I am empty. There's nothing left in me. I don't have the energy to go on in this situation. Uh, I am hurting. And you lay me in the dust of death. You brought me to the situation. I, I am so confused and frustrated. God, what are you doing? How do you feel like David in your life? In, in what situations have you felt that uh, these raw emotions, the sense of God not being there, the sense of uh, others coming at you, the sense of, of, of confusion, of loss? Uh, for a lot of us, uh, our lament happens in relationships. I think that's a common experience that uh, lament happens around relationships. It might be the relationship that you don't have, um, that you want a, a spouse, and you are praying about it and trying for it, uh, but no matter what, it, you know, it seems like it's just not happening. Or maybe you want a child, and again, you're praying for it, and you're doing what you need to, but it's just not happening and God is not providing. There's a lament in the relationships that we don't have. Similarly, there's lament in the relationships that we do have that are not going the way that we want you to go. You know, you wish that your dad saw the value that you have, 
and you just don't understand why he can't see that. You don't understand why your husband doesn't love you in the way that you know that you ought to and the way that you know that he can. You don't understand why that friend that you have you know, feels like they're kind of pulling away from you and, and isn't making the time uh, to, to hang out and connect with you. You wonder why that guy that you're talking to, who you like, and you're pretty sure he likes you too, just won't ask you out or make a move in that way. Restoration cannot happen in these situations if we are unwilling to address the real situation. We cannot expect relief from pain if we don't acknowledge that the pain is there. And that's, that is what lament is here for. It is honestly saying, I am hurting. This is the situation I'm in. I need help. But what happens if we don't have the words to address our real situation? Uh, this is something that I can relate with. We have the benefit of using David's words, his words from the psalm, words from other laments. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of the great things about prayer and a good practice in prayer is that if you don't know what to pray, uh, that we have the freedom to pray scripture to God, that we can pray God's words back to him. And it's the same with lament, uh, that if we uh, are having trouble kind of articulating how we're feeling, we can just pray David's prayers there. Uh, those of us who feel like um, people are upset at us, they're frustrated at us, that we're in conflict and, and we feel like it's unfair, we can turn to verse 7 and 8 and pray these same words back to God on our behalf. There's freedom to do that. Our prayers of honest disorientation are not empty words spoken into empty space. We're not just crying out into the void. But our, our, these prayers of honest disorientation are directed towards a loving Savior who hears us. So David, uh, in the midst of his pain, does not let that pain detract him from knowing who God is and what God has done in the past. Uh, so let's look at that uh, for a moment. Uh, verses 3 to 5. David says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So we see first that even after David feels like God has forsaken him, he still acknowledges that God is holy. He sees who God is. And then he also sees what, remembers what God has done in the past, where he says, uh, my ancestors, my community, my family, they have cried out to you in the past and you have delivered, you have provided. I know you can do it. Lord, do it again. Uh, verses 9 and 10 says, Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust in my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. So he also reflects on his own history with God, that he acknowledges, God, I have followed you from uh, from the womb, from my birth, there is intimacy there, there's history there, there's relationship there, and he spent some time reflecting on that. And then verses 19 to 21, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. So he acknowledges that God has the power to deliver him that even in the midst of his pain, where maybe it feels like, you know, this confusion of what, what is God doing here, he remembers that God is powerful to deliver him, powerful to save him, and he cries out in that, uh, in, in confidence for that. We have a God who desires laments, 
We have a God who welcomes lament, where we have the freedom to come to him in our pain. Uh, Jesus says in the book of Mark, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is an open invitation for all of us to draw near to him. But what is often challenging is that in the midst of lament, uh, what is true of God does not feel true. It is hard to remember that God is good when our situation is not good. Which is why it's important that in these seasons when we're not in lament, uh, that we should be rooted in our understanding of who our loving Savior is, that we spend time reflecting on his attributes, his characteristics, so that way when we are suffering, when we are in lament, uh, we can draw on this knowledge that we have. So I have a list here of a whole bunch of attributes of God. It's only a snippet because God is so great and they're more attributes than really we can describe with him, but there's a couple here. Uh, that God is all-powerful, that he created us, he created this world, and there's nothing more powerful than him. Uh, that he is sovereign, that he is holy, that he is just. This one can feel hard, especially when we're lamenting over something that feels unjust. How is God just in an un unjust situation? Uh, that he is love. Not just that he loves us, but he does love us but that he himself is love, uh, that he's merciful, that he's omniscient, that he knows all things. So your situation that you're in right now does not surprise him. That he is wise, uh, he is faithful, that he's faithful and will never leave nor forsake you, as it says in Joshua, that he's faithful to the promises that he's given to you, the promises that are in scripture, that he is good, Again, it's, it, it can be hard to remember that God is good when our situation does not feel good and that he is glorious. So what is true about God that you are questioning right now? If you're in a moment of lament right now, if you're in a season uh, of pain and suffering, what is true about God that is hard to believe? I would encourage you in those moments, in these moments when we are in pain and it is hard to remember who God is, uh, first, run to Scripture. Scripture is our source of truth, our absolute truth, that if Scripture says that God is who he is, that we could trust that that is true. And then I also encourage you to run towards community. Uh, Psalms, the Psalms are uh, essentially kind of like a prayer book for a congregation. It's congregational prayers. Uh, so David wrote this uh, lament. It was, it was one that was personal to him, but then also written to share as a body, to lament together. Uh, so we have freedom in community to share our laments with one another, to receive strength and comfort and encouragement, that it should be done together. Um, so if you're in a community group, in a 3D, uh, yeah, I really encourage you to, to, uh, to run towards them, especially when it feels like God is far and you're not sure what he's doing. So we pray, we pray honest prayers of disorientation, not into an empty space, but to a loving Savior. And that Savior is not far off keeping his distance, but he draws near to us and offers us a comforting embrace. So the back half of the psalm from really verse 19 to the end, 22 to the end, is David reflecting and worshiping on God in that comforting embrace. Uh, so let me, let me pull out a couple uh, highlights from that. Verse 22 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. That David finishes by saying, 
I'm going to tell people about you, I'm going to tell people what you have done, and we will praise you. Uh, verse, verse 24, he says, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. That our God hears our cries, he hears our suffering, and he doesn't turn his face, but he draws near to us. That we feel his comfort in that situation. And then verse 26, The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. That there's promise in the midst of pain that God will be there and he will provide in some way. So where are you asking why? Where are you asking why, God? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? The reality is the lament does not always give us the why answer or the answer to the why, uh, but lament will bring us to a place of embrace. Uh, I think one of the hardest questions that so many of us face as we're in lament or we're uh, comforting those in lament is that we don't know why God acts sometimes and delivers us sometimes and why he chooses not to. Uh, I think there's a there's a bunch of theological answers that can be given for that, uh, but it, it, it doesn't make it any less hard in the situation. So lament, uh, lament doesn't answer that necessarily. It doesn't take that away, uh, but it does bring us to a place of embrace. And that being embraced by Jesus can sometimes look like Habakkuk, or it can sometimes look like Paul and Silas. Uh, where we see Habakkuk is a, is a minor prophet in the Old Testament, uh, and he, he writes this book, it's a dialogue between him and God. And Habakkuk is at this time where Israel, where God is using uh, other nations to judge Israel. Uh, and Habakkuk is, is complaining. He is asking, why, God, are you doing things in this way? Uh, and then it's this, it's this really cool kind of dialogue where Habakkuk is complaining. It says, God, you should be doing it this way. And God responds, and it's this back and forth. But Habakkuk's uh, lament is just a lot of complaining a lot of crying out in pain, a lot of questions. But then sometimes lament can also look like Paul and Silas. In Acts 16, uh, we don't have time to necessarily get into the passage, but it is a really cool story that I encourage you to read uh, this later this week. But Paul and Silas uh, were prison, uh, imprisoned. Uh, they were bound. And it says in Acts 16 uh, that in the middle of the night they were praying and singing songs of praise. So their lament was prayer, prayer, praise, 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 prayer, praise. It's this mixture of prayer and praise. And God answers in that situation. He frees them from prison. Again, it's a really cool story. Uh, but sometimes lament does look like that. It does look like that we have the freedom uh, in the midst of hardships to praise him, to worship him. But a comforting embrace may mean deliverance. But more often than not, it's a warm hug in the midst of a hard situation. It doesn't take away the pain, but it helps us to endure. Uh, in a small way, it reminds me of uh, a time when I was five or six. Uh, I was playing in the neighborhood with some friends, and we were just you know, messing around. And I suddenly feel this sharp pain in my hand. And I open it up, and I realize that somehow I'd closed my hand around a bee, and it stung me in the hand. It was the first time I'd ever been stung, and I didn't know what it was. All I knew that I was, I was hurting, I was scared and surprised. So I ran home, uh, and my mom was there. She is here today. She probably doesn't remember the story. Uh, but I ran home to her, and she was there to comfort me, uh, 
to, to tell me that it's okay, to you know, take the bee sting out. And that her presence there didn't make the pain go away. The pain gradually went away. Um, but her warmth and her comfort uh, made it bearable, made it easier. And it's the same for those of us who now go through hard situations, maybe where we've lost our jobs and we're with a friend just talking about that and your friend is there to listen to you and to be with you and to let you know that you're not alone. That that is what a comforting embrace is. It's that warm hug in the midst of a hard situation. So we pray honest prayers of disorientation to a loving Savior with a comforting embrace. And we can do that confidently because the Savior who offers us this embrace lamented himself. That Jesus lamented. This psalm, uh, Jesus is all throughout this psalm. Um, and it points to the fact that we have a Savior who did lament, who can relate with us. I want to pull out a couple of passages from this psalm that point us to Jesus, that show him uh, in this. Verse 16 uh, says, they have, the second half of 16 says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. In verse 18, they divided, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Uh, this, is, this is prophetic because that is what happened to Jesus. In his crucifixion, they pierced his hands and feet. They did divide his garments by casting lots. Uh, that it points to Jesus' suffering and crucifixion. But I think most striking uh, to me is verse 1, where David starts it off by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, when he was on the cross, when he was suffering, he prayed this exact prayer. He reflected on this passage and cried out in lament to God, asking him, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we have a Savior who lamented, we have a Savior who cried. We have a Savior who suffered. We have a Savior who relates to us in that way. But we also have a Savior who now sits victoriously in heaven, raised, and serves as our advocate. And because we have a Savior who did that, who provides us hope in that way, we can respond like Habakkuk when we are in lament. Uh, so Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, it's the end of his dialogue with God. And God does not rescue Israel at that time. God does not do what Habakkuk wanted him to do. And yet Habakkuk ends in this way. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. We have hope in our Savior that we cry out to. And because of that, even when our situation is hard, even when our situation does not change in the way that we want it to, we can still rejoice in our God because he has saved us, and we can turn to him for strength. We can respond like Habakkuk in the middle of lament. So as we turn uh, head into communion, uh, I wanted us to put this into practice. A communion is a time where we draw near to our Savior uh, in remembrance of his life, death, and resurrection. And one way we can remember him is through lament, by coming to him humbly and honestly. The power of Jesus' resurrection means we are united with him and we can cry out to him. So scholars, when they look at a biblical lament, uh, they say there's kind of seven different components to it. Uh, in this case, I've narrowed it down to three that I think summarize it all up. Um, that when we lament, we cry out to God, 
We cry out about our afflictions. We cry out about how we're feeling. We give them these honest prayers of disorientation. We remember, remember who our God is, and remember what he has done in the past. And then we end in worship. We praise him. But we don't want to skip straight to the praise because that kind of glosses over the hardships that we're feeling. But we still want to end in praise and worship for our God. So as we move into communion, feel free to grab your uh, cups. If, again, if you're able, uh, please kneel. If you're not, that's okay. Uh, maybe hold your hands open. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through this lament. Uh, if this is kind of your reality, if you are in a season of lament, I'd encourage you to pray through that. If you are not, uh, one of the great things about lament is that we can lament on behalf of other people. If those close to us are suffering and pain, we can lament on their behalf. We can also lament corporately for our communities, for our nation, for our world, um, in whatever way that looks like, in whatever way that is weighing on your heart. So let's, uh, yeah, let's pray in lament. So let's start out by crying. Crying out to God about our afflictions. Crying out to God about the hurt that we're feeling. Crying about, out about how we need him to move. Let's cry out to our God. remember. Let's remember who our God is, his characteristics, his attributes. Let's remember what scripture says about him and trust that that is true because scripture is true. Let's remember what God has done in the past, the ways that he has provided for you in the past, the way he's provided for other people that you know in the past. Remember the way that he has died and raised from the death for us to save us, that we might be united with him. Let's remember our Savior. worship. Let's praise our God for who he is. Praise him in anticipation for the comfort he will provide, uh, the ways that he can provide through other people, through situations. Let's praise him that he is our God and that he hears us. Let's praise. Let's worship.
feel free to take communion whenever you're ready. If you want to keep praying, keep praying. Um, but yeah, take communion.